All right. Michael Toscano uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. How about introduce yourself and, and uh, just quick intro to the names of your restaurants. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Michael Toscano and I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina and in New York City, New York. Um, in Charleston, we have Le Farfale. Um, and then in New York City in Greenwich Village, we have Da Toscano. Awesome, man. So, dude, you've got an interesting backstory I was reading on your site you were wanting to be a professional golfer going yeah. to Texas and here you are in these incredible two restaurants in two different cities two high culinary cities so I mean I I, I gotta ask like how what happened what where do you still play golf absolutely okay yeah I, I play all the time but uh it was um it was out of necessity I uh Got a job at, so it all started at uh, Willow Creek Golf Club in uh, Spring, Texas. So the suburbs north of Houston. Um, I was on the golf team uh, playing very competitive golf, uh, you know, working towards getting a college scholarship in golf. And uh, in order to practice every day, we weren't, my family wasn't, a, a, you know, a members at any clubs or anything. So in order to practice every day, I got a job picking the, the driving range and cleaning the golf carts. Um, through that, I became friends with the chef, you know, every day when we get our lunch, he was a young guy, you know, enthusiastic, fun, fun to talk to. And uh, he needed help one weekend. And I, I washed dishes for him. Right. So I washed dishes and I love the environment. I played sports my whole life. And it, you know, outside of being on a sports team, you know, working together and high intensity and in this, you know, cool atmosphere, I'd never seen anything like it. Excuse my bulldog who is growling back here. Oh, look at that bulldog. What's your bulldog? <laughs> um, so anyhow, I, I ended up, I quit working on the, picking the driving range, still practicing every day, but went to the dish pit, started washing dishes. Uh, and then only a few months later, after doing that and being really interested in, uh, in cooking and asking him questions, this was the era of like, um, Iron Chef Japan. And so I'd watch these episodes and I'd come in and I'd ask the chef, like, what is this ingredient? What is that ingredient? And he'd tell me all about it or he'd show me books with it. And so we, we, and we're still friends to this day. He's, he's an awesome guy, Randall Sansom, but was a tremendous mentor for me, you know, getting into it, but took me from being a dishwasher and uh, then becoming a cook on, on a very, it's a very small kitchen, but getting to work with him every day and, and just, being excited about this like high intensity, like new atmosphere seen before. So it all started, it all started there. I continued playing. Uh, I was offered a scholarship to play. Um, you still hear me? Yeah, it was breaking up a little bit. Where, where did I end up? You were, you were offered a scholarship. So I, I, I was able to get a college scholarship to play uh, play golf in college, but I turned it down because um, simultaneously I got an offer to do a uh, ACF culinary apprenticeship at the Pinehurst Resort where I got to play $5 golf at all the courses. And I was there for the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I was there for the U.S. Open. And um, so I took that and I, I realized I was like, I'm a, I'm a good golfer, but... 
I'm not going pro. Like, you know, the, when you're, when you're in that world and you realize what it takes, you know, being competitive where there's a, there's thousands of us scratch golfers and like, that's not, it takes way more than that. So I knew I'd go to a mediocre school and get a, a mediocre education because I'd be, you know, practicing golf all the time. I ended up putting all my efforts into, uh, into cooking, which I was stoked about. I was so excited and my parents were super supportive, um, super supportive. They saw, they saw the, the drive I had just in the, the little bit of time that I, I did it basically from my junior year to my, to graduation, uh, working at, at Willow Creek that my, my first job. And, uh, and then it was off to Pinehurst, North Carolina, you know, so, uh, was able to take it from there and, and, uh, really dive in deep and, and be surrounded by, you know, learning and cooking. And, and, uh, it's where I met my wife, Caitlin, who, you know, and, um, we ended up moving up to New York city after I finished my apprenticeship. She was there for her, uh, her externship from Johnson and Wales. And, uh, we met there and we had been dating for a year and, uh, packed all our stuff and went up to, to New York city. Wow. What a, what a journey. Um, well, you know, you said something, your parents saw the, the drive that you had, man, I think like that's a quality that is so important. And you find these examples of that where you say, okay, this person has this, this drive and whether it's specific to this domain or just a, a general drive, it's such an important quality because like you, you wanted to play golf didn't have a club so what did you do you go get a job you know doing whatever you got to do to get out there which is that like whatever you got to do thing is such a big part i think of success and you know ultimate success in, in life and business but i just i think that's awesome um and uh also the being honest with yourself and self-aware enough to kind of go well i love golf but i mean a scratch golfer i bet there's a lot of scratch golfers that are like yeah, I know it's hard, but I'm a scratch. I'm gonna. I can do this. I mean, it's that's got to be tough. But you didn't exactly choose a easier career path, my friend. Like, I, sure I mean, didn't. maybe the, the odds are better. Maybe that you'll have your own place one day. But then you're going into an industry like just because you have your own place doesn't mean anything because restaurants come and go all the time. Absolutely. I mean, it's why I had a meeting this morning uh, talking with a, a charity that's that's uh, working with underprivileged children and and. Uh, you know, exactly what you touched on that, that drive, you know, that's kind of my, that's, that's what I can share with every one of my cooks, my, my uh, sous chefs, my chefs, there's nothing that's in this industry. You work with so many people who, you know, I'm just a cook. What, what can I do? I can't do anything. That's what I started out as. Sorry. I was nothing more than a dishwasher. Um, I was mediocre in school, you know, and kind of that opportunity for that apprenticeship was my chance to be successful. And there was kind of nothing in my way, nothing that would stand in my way to, to keep me from getting there. And, you know, you set small goals and um, there's nothing that I wouldn't have done to, to be better than the next guy, be better than that person or get the next job. And I feel like not enough people think of it that way, have that drive. I think it has to do with maybe playing sports and being competitive, but um, yes, you know, uh, so, so being able to share that with children, with with 
uh, who maybe don't have that that kind of drive at home or, or whatever it is. That's that's a big passion for me. You know, it's uh, you don't need to be given anything to be successful, and uh, and it's all what you can put into it and how tough you can be to to make sure that you you surpass all your your obstacles and hurdles because it's not easy. No way, shape, shape or form. It's not easy. No, it isn't. And nobody ever says it said it would be or will say it will be. And things won't be fair at times. But you're right. I mean, it's a, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're uh, volunteering your time in the community for that, because there are probably a lot of kids out there that, you know, maybe they just got a bad situation home or whatever and don't even really know. Maybe they're hearing negative things all the time, like, you know, you don't ever have a chance or whatever. But man, if you've got that determination, that drive, and I, it, it is an interesting dynamic, the sports part of this. I don't, I don't know whether it's like that brings out, it brings it out of us, or maybe it's in there and we become the, you know, you become a better competitor because of that. But I mean, like I hear you talking about like, you know, being is, you know, being better than the next guy there in the restaurant or on the line or as a cook. I mean, but that's exactly what you were doing on the golf course. And, uh, you know, it's hard. So you go, well, what, what can I do? Uh, but your story is awesome, man. And I mean, it's amazing how many people started out as teenage dishwashers that I speak to for this podcast that now in very successful restaurants and uh, are very happy and very fulfilled and, you know, have gone up the ranks and taken some risks along the way too, which, you know, you have to do. In fact, that's a, that's a big part of this, man. You, you all moved up to New York. Um, I know you had some, you worked for some really well-known folks there, but at some point you hung a shingle and, uh, was it, was Da Toscana your first? That, that was your own? No. So Perlo was my first, uh, first Perlo. on my own. So I was, uh, I was with Mario Vitale for years and, uh, he, there was a point where we had opened Italy together and, uh, I was running the fine dining restaurant there and he started telling me, he's like, go look, start looking for start looking for spaces. You know, you, we had talked about me wanting to have my own spot and there was kind of a moment there where I started doing that. And I, I love, I love Mario controversial or not. He's a great person. And, uh, I don't believe with all a lot of the things that he was, uh, you know, some, there's a lot of, uh, maybe not full stories or, or lack of truth, but besides that, um, we would, uh, I started looking for spaces with him to open my own restaurant. And then I, I kind of stepped back and I, I thought, will I want to be in his shadow forever? You know, will I want to be under his umbrella forever? Um, what will this look like in five years? Let's say I make this into a, a successful restaurant, you know, how much credit will he get for it? So uh, I made a choice at that moment to, uh, go out on my own. I, I got a, a different partner, someone who I knew. Um, and we opened a restaurant called Perla, um, which happens to be in the Da Toscano space. So the space that we went back to New York to open up in is my original spot called Perla. So when did you open Perla? That was in 20, 2012. I may be off a, a year, but I'm pretty sure it's 2012. And, but, and you all moved to Charleston in 2015? Yep. yep. Okay. So Good. Oh, you opened your restaurant there, and then, but then you went back to open Dot Toscana. No, so whenever I I opened Dot, I'm sorry, I opened Perla, and then with 
my partner at that point, we, I took over three other of his restaurants. So I had three and then sold them and uh, moved to Charleston. Okay. I got you. I got you. Why'd y'all pick Charleston? I mean, other than the obvious, like, yeah, right. I mean, uh, I had, I had heard amazing things and we were um, excited to visit one year when we were, I was invited to cook at the Charleston wine and food festival. And I was, I was pumped to get down, down there and um, it was everything we, we thought it would be, you know, it's a beautiful place, great restaurants, great community, great place for our kids to grow up. And uh, we kind of made a, a decision really quickly that uh, shocked a lot of people. And we, we got out of the city just like that, you know, moved down to Charleston, took about a year to find a space. And then we opened up Le Farfalle. And then not until uh, a year and a half ago, we opened Da Toscano back in the Perla space, which had went out of business uh, maybe a year after I left okay. um, and then sat vacant. And we went back after that, the owner of that building called me and we uh, worked out a great deal and went back in that space. Um, Le Farfalle, is that, is that Le Farfalle. Le Farfalle. Farfalle. Yeah. What is, does that mean butterfly bow tie basta or is that it, well so the in in italian you know uh language there nothing's a exact translation right so you right. could type it in and it means the butterfly but that's it means to to live unrealistically or chase your dreams chase butterflies ah uh, okay yeah i was actually i looked that up but that's why i did i I was like translate and it was like really nebulous. I was like, I don't, this doesn't like, there's all these different, <laughs> like, yeah, it, yeah, I got the idea that it was a lot more than that. Yeah. The chasing butterflies living. That's really cool. That's a great concept. We thought so. Um, well, you've lived it. I mean, look, you've gone from, you know, be, hoping to be a golfer in Texas to the, you know, one of the coolest golfing places in the world to learn a new trade and up to New York, which is just its own adventure and then down to down to this beautiful place charleston so i've heard wonderful wonderful things we're i'm in waxhaw so i'm just south of charlotte gotcha. and, um uh i've heard amazing things about your restaurant down there michael um so i really look forward to you know once once we kind of get back into the normal routine of hitting the road and doing some traveling and stuff like that man i'm going to come visit y'all um, oh, we look forward to it yeah you got an enviable stack of books there behind your left shoulder. Do you read a lot? A ton, ton. I mean, that's, that's uh, what I preach the most is, you know, my, my education, you, you go into work and you, you work your shift. And if that's your extent of your education, you, you're not going to go too far. You know, uh, all these books are all the cookbooks that I've had uh, that I've built when I was spending my entire paycheck on cookbooks. And then, you know, now I've, I've been able to grow it pretty to a pretty large level but uh yeah. yeah that's that's my education right there that's uh you know learning classic uh repertoire from you know old italian books to uh what my my you know other great chefs are, are cooking and and being able to see their um their derivatives of classic cuisine and so it's uh it's it's what i love to do i love to read about cooking you know, if uh, it's another example of that, man, I, I just feel like if you, um, yeah, I've got three kids, mm -hmm. 17, 14, and 12, and we have this conversation a lot around here. Man, you got no idea how great you have it. Like, 
and you don't because you don't have any context, so I don't expect you to, but like, oh my goodness, you live in the United States in 2021. You, you like, I mean, two of my three kids have a thousand dollar iPhone they carry around. I'm like, man, don't ever give me an excuse for anything. Like for anything, for any reason, I don't want to hear an excuse because you can do whatever you want. You can learn whatever you want. You can, like, there's nothing holding you back if you want it, but the, the underlying italicized words are if you want it or if you want it enough it should really be what it is because the enough part means is that you're willing to do whatever it takes versus I want that. I really want to be this, but as soon as there's a word, there's a, but forget it. Like, but there's just no reason to have that, but where we are today, I mean, our country has its issues. Everyone does, but my goodness gracious, like, it's, uh, it's, a, I just, I'm very inspired, I guess, hearing your story. I, I feel like we share a lot of uh, philosophy on just, you know, having that, that drive to go out and if you want something, man, it's yours for the taking if you really and, want it. And it's, uh, it's putting in the work when you don't want to, because that's, yeah. that's the big misconception. That's a it, huge that, it, Oh, I'm doing what I love. It's going to be amazing every step of the way. I love no. doing it. That's so far from the truth. And, uh, you know, in our industry, you know, it, it allowed me to tolerate through those tough times and, and, you know, almost, I almost dove in deeper doing it. But, but, uh, if you're able to, to grind through when you're missing that holiday with your family, cause you're working or you're, you're doing the things that you need to do to, to be successful at the position you're in, um, you know, that's, that's how you, you accomplish goals. That's how you, you make it happen. And whatever balance you need to create for yourself, just have the full vision, have the full vision and, and know what you need to do to, to accomplish it. I feel like that's, uh, that's the big thing. Um, people, people tend to mistake balance for needing to be comfortable, you know, and uh, balance isn't always being comfortable. It's, it's uh, you know, staying healthy, staying healthy. And that's mentally and physically. So uh, it's it's uh, it's a, a wild and interesting time right now, and I'm I'm all about all the new changes in our industry with, you know, uh, keeping people safe mentally and physically, and and caring for our employees and doing all these things, and um, it just kills me whenever people, you know, confuse the two, confuse it for being, uh, um, you know, allowing you to to take advantage of it, to take advantage of working hard. What a fine line. What a fine line. That's a, and it's such a gray thing. It's hard to know sometimes like, Hey, I, you know, you want to encourage people need to take care of themselves mentally, physically, you, you need to have an outlet. You need to have, you know, time to yourself to, to think or pray or whatever your mm-hmm. uh, meditate or whatever your path is. You need to take care of yourself physically and eat well so that you're, you know, able to do what you got to do. Um, and so it's great that the industry is, is, recognizing that but boy for every positive there's always those that'll just full-on take advantage of it uh and uh i imagine that's got to be tough to i mean as an owner and an operator to balance trying to decipher you know where's the where's the line of that stuff you know can somebody just decide not to show up you know once every week or whatever and just say well i needed you know personal time or for mental health but then like it's a point where like you got to run a business so it's, it's hard. it is tough, but I feel like that's the all that we can do is uh, lay out the parameters, right? 
my wife and I and our team, you know, partner Joseph, um, just being able to talk about everything, laying it out there, letting everyone know, you know, what the rules are, how to how to how to move forward. And as long as all those things are out there, you know, it sets up a pretty good guideline for how to how to treat these things, how to if you need uh, you need a moment for yourself. There's a there's a that's fine. But there's a protocol for it. You know, it's not just I, I'm not going to show up today. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to text you nothing. And I'm just not going to come. But I needed a mental health day. I mean, things happen. There are circumstances for everything. But as long as you set up the parameters, I feel like it's uh, manageable. Um, I'm curious how y'all are navigating that any, or if you're having to navigate it differently now with such a, a challenging environment for finding people to work. Uh, in the first place, I had an owner tell me last week, he said, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even fire somebody almost anymore. If they don't show up, it's like, I, you know, I used to just say like, you know, two strikes and you're out or three away. He's like, now I just hope they'll, yeah, it's just like hard. Cause who am I going to replace them? Are y'all dealing with that? Some down there? Absolutely. I mean, uh, New York and Charleston, it's, uh, it's very similar. You know, it's, it's tough to discipline whenever there's, there's no one to replace, you know? So, um, so we do fall in that and it, uh, is a tremendous challenge. And what it's, what it's come down to is, you know, where do we put our foot down and what am I willing to do as the owner operator? You know, am I willing to go on the, on the line, cook on the grill? Absolutely. So, you know, for the last two months when we were short, I was with the guys cooking on the line, um, you know, cleaning up at the end of the night, doing all the stuff and, and, you know, that's what we do for our, for our businesses. You know, we, we care, um, more than, more than most people can imagine. So, so also letting them see that, you know, it's setting a good example, you know, uh, leading by example. Yeah. Well, people are mimetic, you know, they, they kind of, whether they know it or not, subconsciously follow what they see and, um, here. So I'm sure that, I'm sure y'all, I mean, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, y'all are fabulous leaders. It's very clear. Um, do, do you, uh, do you feel like the industry, like the industry is going through some changes. The industry has, those changes have probably accelerated through COVID. Um, but one thing that ne- I believe that never goes out of favor and never will is just you know, while on one end, maybe it's great that you have these like quick service options, fast or whatever, like people are moving fast. I want something that's cheap and quick and whatever. But like, I feel like there's just never going to not be a need for people to come to a place where they feel like they're welcome and they're well taken care of and they're treated, you know, with respect and they have a, a good vibe and a good energy and all the things that I'm sure y'all probably create there. Um, so, you know, and I say this in light of the fact that like, we're, I mean, we've seen it schedule flaws since this happened, like a lot of places close um, that, you know, won't ever reopen the market. Maybe it was a little oversaturated. I don't know. We had a long run with a really good economy and a lot of restaurants, but I'm just like, I always like to ask, you know, people that are in the middle of it, like you, what, what you think is happening and just your general thoughts on that. I mean, it, that very thing is, uh, you know, what all of us 
I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I know that everybody was constantly thinking about, you know, all the different things that we had to do in that past year and a half of where we are, um, things are happening. We're in Charleston, and it was wild operating in New York and in Charleston, polar opposites. The way this whole thing was was treated, uh, yeah. polar opposites. So, you know, my opinion, South Carolina did an amazing job. Um, New York was was far too conservative to, I mean, to our detriment. We, we, so many restaurants struggled so hard just dealing with the, uh, the regulations and, and things that the government put out. Yeah, they were tough. Where in Charleston. So as we were dealing with this over the timeline of, of the pandemic, you know, we're seeing all these new technologies come out and this and like at that very moment, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know how long it was going to happen for. So, you know, do we eliminate service and have iPads on the table? And that's just what you're talking about. People want to go to the places. And, and that may be an uh, old way of thinking, but that's never going to go away. People want, crave that experience. That's part of dining out. As important as the food is, you know, when you sit down and when, the way you're greeted or the way you're greeted at the door or over the phone for a reservation, if you had to call someone, which is abnormal these days, um, that's all important. You know, so whenever we're able to deliver that experience, I feel like that's what separates us from from other restaurants. You know, not all like there are other great restaurants that do the same thing. But that's that's what we strive to do is to be friendly and and uh, know your name, know your drink. Imagine if you just come in to Lay Farfalle and you're then typing your order into an iPad. It's it's uh, that doesn't do it. it. It removes half of the experience, maybe more. Um, so, you know, did we change much? Did we No, we worked with a tighter team? We were smart about how we changed the menus. Um, we made pivots that kept us doing what we do, um, making people still allowing people to still have that, that great experience. But we did, we made decisions in our, uh, behind the scenes that made it, uh, made it work financially, you know, so having a tighter team, um, Caitlin and I working every night, um, making a smaller menu that still had all the greatest hits, but, you know, eliminating a solid 25 to, to 40% at sometimes, uh, part of the menu, um, doing a lot of these things, closing off parts of the restaurant. Um, you know, we did that in, in different stages all throughout as the re regulations, you know, led, led up, led up, led up. And then we were able to go hundred percent and we, we worked our way back to being a full, full on restaurant. Nearly nothing changed with a few changes that we, we learned the, the silver lining of some of the pandemic was, you know, seeing how we could operate in a different way with less staff with, uh, um, but as we worked our way back to full capacity, we were able to use some of these things. In that, we we realized we had a, a you know, very, uh, very busy takeaway business, takeaway and delivery business that we never had before. And because of that, out of that necessity of people needing to order like that, they continue to order like that. So now as we're able to, or we're only able to put out so much food, but when we're able to during the week, we have, you know, all those uh, platforms open and people can, people can get Leif Folly to go. That's, that's, that's crazy to me, you know putting a $55 steak in a, in a, 
to-go box and like having these $150 tabs for a takeout order, it's, it's wild, but it, it became uh, something that allowed us to keep from having to open lunch again, you know, and, and hire an extra manager, an extra sous chef and two extra cooks. And that's eliminated now. And we're still doing, we're beating our numbers by doing takeout and uh, having a, a thriving dinner business, you know? So it's, uh, it's wild the, the few things that we we learned from it and we're able to adapt and and uh, give our our clientele what they what they were wanting yeah these things can uh, break you or they can make you stronger um, for sure uh, a a fifty five dollar steak is it a uh, what kind of steak is that <laughs> so uh, we, have, we have a few we have a uh, prime ribeye a filet we have uh tomahawk pork chops we have all types of stuff lamb rack of lamb uh so seeing all these beautiful proteins put in a to-go box i mean but at the same time people didn't have to leave their house and they had a great meal at home you know and and that, that's the best part is hearing from our guests who uh tell me you don't know how great it was to have your food during the pandemic in my house we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't enjoy anything and you're you know, chicken parm got me through the pandemic. Like that's, that's amazing to hear, you know, what, what more do you want? That's so awesome, man. Um, speaking of, uh, balance and stuff, I mean, you know, it's, you've done what you've had to do and maybe we'll get, maybe we're on the tail end of this thing. Hopefully like, what do you do to, uh, other than golf, what kinds of things do you do or you and Caitlin do to just get what you need outside of the business? Yeah. I mean, uh, Caitlin and I, she got me into it right after we, uh, opened Dot Toscano. She, when I was in New York for a good chunk of time, solid where I wasn't coming home, uh, she started working out at this place called Iron Tribe. Um, it's a hit training, high intensity interval training. Yeah. Similar to CrossFit. Um, she started that and just, you know, it, it, it was medicine for her. You know, it was her, her release. It was something that, uh, you know, we were we were never, we never made time to work out. Like it was, you know, it's just like everyone. We're too busy. We're too this or this, yeah. that. And she went there and, and, uh, fell in love with it, fell in love with the compute, the community that was, uh, you know, at, at this gym and all, all the things I came back and we did this, uh, um, six week challenge that they have once a year. And so I got back from, from when the pandemic started, um, got back, and I was her partner for it. We ended up uh, coming in second place out of out of uh, you know over a hundred teams, and and uh, I was hooked at that point. And uh, now, six days a week, I work out. I have a I have a gym in my garage. Like I, I can't get enough of it. So now it's golf and working out, and I I, I love it. I love I have this you know kind of obsessive personality where I when I get into something I I don't put it down, but uh, that's, that's my, uh, I got hooked just like I got hooked on golf. So that's what we do it together. We do it in the morning. Uh, and, brother. I yeah. see. I hear you, man. No, I'm, I'm the same. I, I love that. I think that's great, man. That's really good. It's cool that y'all can do that together. I, I love it. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. It's, been well, great. it's such an important thing. I mean, boy, it, it's amazing. Like I'm not surprised when she's first did that. It, you start doing that kind of stuff. I'm 47 right now. And I was like 34 and we had a couple, we had our second kid and 
you know, I was just kind of letting it slide gradually. My wife had some trainer and she couldn't go that day. I took her place because we were going to eat the 50 bucks or whatever. And uh, she whipped my butt. Like I was like, went in there like, okay, I'll, I'll go to your trainer. <laughs> me, And I was like, oh my gosh, I, it lit a fire. Like I, she, I couldn't do a, I couldn't do one pull up. And I used to go to a lot of pull ups in high school. She's like, do pull ups. I was like, okay, couldn't do one. That fire is still in here right now. Like, I mean, like from that day, 13 years ago, whatever it was, man, it just, I can just remind myself of that moment and keep that fire burning uh, to this day. I love, so it. I, I love it. Really, I could geek out with you all day on that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but it's really important. It does. It brings it. it if you really, especially like the, the high intensity stuff you're talking like, that's just like, you can't do that and not feel good. Like you'll feel worn out and whatever, but then like just spend the rest of your day going ready. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, look, man, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I really enjoyed speaking with you and I'm going to come have one of those steaks. Uh, cause I, I love steak. I love okay. steak. You got a ribeye. Some set one aside for me, man. There you go. Um, we can't have you and take good care of you. Yeah, man. And tell Caitlin hello and thank you. And just thanks to your team, man. We appreciate the business, appreciate everything. Uh, we're here if you need anything always. And uh, but just dude, inspiring story, man. I'm I'm glad to get to know you very much. I can't wait to meet you in person, Michael. That was fun. I can't wait for it. Yeah. Yeah, we look forward to you coming down. All right, we'll see you. Take care. Have a man. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right.